In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning's texts are about redemption. But I'm going to speak a little about integration. Let me explain. We tend to think of redemption as being rescued. And being rescued for a Christian means being plucked from a sea of adverse circumstances by some kind of heavenly helicopter and pulled to safety. You're pulled out of disintegration, if you like, and you alone and hopefully a few others are taken away to rescue. I'd like to suggest that redemption from God's point of view is far more about integration than saving individuals from disintegration and about taking individuals and putting them back into the disintegration so they might integrate it. Now that process of integration begins at home. It begins in our hearts. It begins by acknowledging the differences which differentiate me from you and seeking a compassionate communication with one another that will help to honor differences and build unity and build oneness. It's a very good way to approach the business of sharing the gospel, if you are ever so minded to do. I've been minded to do that rather recently and discovering that one does it by finding places in common and acknowledging differences of point of view with a kind of grace, with a kind of compassion, which is the only basis for the beginning of sharing anything. That presupposes honoring, discerning, discovering things within yourself that are incompatible, maybe even at odds with one another, equal and opposite or opposing. When you work there in your own heart, you are faced with the task of resolving moral issues, the coexistence of good and evils, things which we shouldn't be able to do at the same time. And you have to choose one or the other and work that through with courage and conviction. But it also involves acknowledging mystery in other ways, the coexistence of apparent contradictions, things that shouldn't be able to be at the same time. And here you have to work with compassion and integrity. Integrity, we would call it, but integrity is an it. It is something that you have or don't have, and you presume it may come as a gift or not. Integration is something that you do. The business of discerning difference and dealing with it within and without, within ourselves and among ourselves. And there is no settling outer differences without doing the same thing within. The problem is this. There are things within us, impulses and inclinations, which are very wrong, which we know which are wrong and which are incompatible with all that we seek to do and to be. And yet we honor them, we follow them, and we obey them. 
And so we are unfree. We are enslaved, if you like. Caught in complexity and contradiction whose consequences can be catastrophic. And yet we go along as if in chains, becoming more and more disintegrated and more and more one body holding many different persons capable of many different responses. And we live in a world which right now thrives on disintegration, polarization, galvanization of one community into polar opposites. And that is only possible when the souls of those that constitute that community are also galvanized within, pursuing contradictory goals within some blanket place and within some community which doesn't seem to mind. And so we go along as if in chains. So we speak of redemption today. And being redeemed means being set free somehow from the conditions, these inner and outer circumstances that condition our lives and establish the preconditions for anything and everything that happens in them. Being redeemed means being set free, liberated by being bought back at a price. And with that redemption comes integration, reintegration, and a change of status which allows us to take our places again to integrate into the circumstances, the community of others in which we seek to live and hopefully to change them from there. Redemption so defined requires something, someone outside of you to reach into your life and let you go. And that someone can only buy the right to buy you back if they have been where you are, stuck or as close to stuck as they can get as you are. Jesus is the one, that someone, for so many of us the one who came into our lives and went where no one else had gone and did what no one else or nothing else was ever able to do to set us free. He still is. He still is the only one who can do that for everyone. Even though Jesus is that one for some of us, he is the only one who can be that one for everyone. That is the Christian's claim. And you can see how that sets us once again at odds with a world that sees things differently. Now, this is not meant to be a personal testimony, although it is. It is a witness, an eyewitness account that corroborates with that of those other eyewitnesses who have gone before. It is an account drawn from life, from experience, What does redemption mean, again? A change of state within and a change of status without. God became a man so that we might become God. That's one of our earliest witnesses, Athanasius. He is saying that not that we might become God, the one true God, displacing God from his unique position of power and glory. We spend most of our lives working very hard to do that. And the Christian message is to turn us around. The message here is, though, that we partake of something that is truly God. 
not our idea of God put in God's place, but truly comes from God. Not just God-like, similar sort of kind of, looks like God, saintly, but that we receive God's DNA somehow, some way, sometime. We are adopted, as the text says, but we become the heirs And when we do, we receive the inheritance, which is not a bunch of stuff or a way of life that goes with it, with greater powers, privileges, and prestige than we have enjoyed here in the world. But it is a whole new life, a whole new way of being, of looking at the world, and of living in it, a whole new freedom. We can see things from God's point of view, and we can live as God would live if he were human if he were in our shoes, which, thanks be to God, he was, and which he is in Jesus. So this is the problem with the law, and why it's not enough to just tell us what to do and be done with it. Jesus did not need to come to earth if all God had to do was tell us what to do. God seems to have felt he had already done that once or twice, but it didn't seem to quite stick. It's why we need to see what God wants to do from God's point of view, to see with his eyes and to respond with his heart to what he sees. We need to somehow go to where God is from where we are. But at the same time, God is saying, no, I've come to where you are to show you that. You don't need to climb some ladder to the clouds. Let me show you what perfect human living looks like. We find also that if that kind of perfect human life is going to get lived, it needs his power to do it, his will and his courage to do it. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot and do not set ourselves free. He does from within us. Until we change within, any efforts we make to remodel the planet to his design are without hope utterly futile. We'll get it wrong time after time. That's called the United Nations. You might want to check it out. (laughs) Until we change within, any efforts we make to get it right are going to go wrong. And that's why redemption being redeemed is more than just a matter of information, even though that's all you're getting now, data of a kind. It's transformation of experience through experience of life. It's lived, not thought about, lived in the thick of the mess and the muck and the muddle of a very unredeemed planet, lived by very and semi-redeemed people. And semi is as good as unredeemed, we might think. But semi-redeemed, simul justus et peccator, as Luther said, half saint, half sinner at one and the same time is as good as it gets, this side of glory. So we need to start praying now for that inner transformation. And those who seek to put all the emphasis on works, on mission in the world, well-meaning and highly motored as they are, without stopping to see that inner work done, have got it wrong. God love them. The transformation of the world starts here in the heart or not at all. But one more thing. 
we do not do this most inner work, this most private, most personal, most individual work alone, because we're not alone. We're not individuals. In the end, we're individuals thoroughly linked in every way with everyone else. As you know, I'm doing a little looking in at neuroscience these days. Not something you want to practice on weekends and attain much credibility. But what some people have done for history to take the gospel and the testimony of scripture and reveal it to the world as reliable for one more reason, so the neuroscientists are doing with the body and with the soul. And they're turning again back and back to the Christian tradition, especially the Christian spiritual tradition, and saying, these folks had it wrong, or rather, these folks had it right, sorry, all along. How did they go so wrong as to let it all go themselves? We put you in some kind of functional functional MRI, and we see what the brain does when we begin to get into contemplative prayer. And we see that the human body and the human brain, which are so intimately connected, are built for compassion, for kindness, for care. God designed us for that. They're saying, how did we lose that? We lost it when we lost Jesus. But my prayer for all of us is that we not seek to find Jesus on our own. We need one another more than ever for every part of that pursuit of becoming whatever we can be in Jesus Christ. We need a community that can at least talk to one another, even if loving one another is difficult. And the toxic rhetoric that comes from the highest places of the land these days is not helping. I'm not talking politics, but I am talking personalities. We're having to deal with some very difficult examples of humanity right now. And they have an impact. There's nothing new here. There have been Herods throughout the history of humanity. But we do not do well at not guarding our souls from that kind of poison. We look to Jesus and Jesus alone. And Jesus points us to a kinder, gentler time that has probably never happened, but which some of us still somehow remember when people with differences, people who saw themselves as differentiated, could still communicate as one with courtesy with respect, with reverence, and with love. If there's a political way of getting back to that, I'd like to see it. I know of only one way, and that is Jesus. So let us pursue our way, the way of Jesus, with grace and kindness and utter conviction that there is no other way to bring humanity together, to redeem this world and glorify God in the redemption, in a redemption of a world more beautiful, more strong, more in God's image even than the one he created. Let us ask that gracious God 
to give us kindness and love for all who still seek to find that Jesus that has found us, the one who sought us, pulled us out of death, rescued us, and said, now go and love this world that I died for by showing me to them. Let's find the love for this fallen world and this fallen heart in each of us. Go out with gratitude for what he's done for us and seek in love to share that Jesus and that vision of what this world can be. Amen. Please stand.